All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Do you need a ticket to a sporting event? Do you want to go see a concert? Would you like to go see a Broadway show? Go to SeatGeek.com for all your ticket needs. I use them anytime I want to go check out a hockey game or see anything, a concert, whatever. SeatGeek.com. Use promo code John Scott and you get $20 off any ticket. It doesn't matter if it's a hockey game, basketball game, Beyonce concert, uh, Beatles tribute band. I don't know. Whatever you want to see, go to SeatGeek.com, promo code John Scott. You get $20 off. Check, check, check. And we're done. Game seven is in the books. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. It was an exciting, historic, surprising, and for some of us in the room, gut-wrenching night last night. The Blues and the Bruins wrapped up game seven, and it was it was a very strange game for myself. It, it, it started off with the Bruins just coming out hot and I thought honestly it was their game I thought Bennington was keeping the Blues in it and they were going to score on that power play and then it was going to be game over but that's not what happened and obviously everyone knows that the Blues took over in the second and third and won five to one and that that's the game but the game in a nutshell, I think, was lost in the first period for the Bruins when they did not score on the first 12, 13 minutes of the game. They put so much pressure on the Blues. They put all their eggs in the one basket. And you can tell after the Blues got that first and second one that the whole team just looked dejected. They're like, man, we threw everything we had at them. We didn't get anything. And now we're going into the locker room down two against arguably one of the best defensive teams in the league. Like, what do we what do we have to do? And they came out in the second and third, and they just looked flat. The Blues sat back. They played a 1-4, where they had one guy steering the puck into their little trap in the, in the neutral zone. The forwards try to force the guys outside. The D held the blue line, and they just turned the pucks over constantly. And that created more chances for the Blues. And then it was just game over. It almost... The Blues played great in the second and third. They played exactly how you're supposed to play to win the game. And the Bruins just didn't have an answer. It was just one of those things where if you don't score and get that lead, it's going to be tough 
to come back, especially when your your horses aren't really really doing what they're supposed to do. Tim, how are we feeling? That whole thing felt like a personal attack on me. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. It, it started with the, the onslaught in the first period. The Bruins were bringing it. They had huge saves from Bennington. The Blues did. Um, and the Bruins just couldn't figure them out. I mean, you had Krejci on a breakaway. You had Corrali with a big rebound. You had Nordstrom that got stuffed there. I mean, they were just, everything they had, they were throwing it at him. And Bennington answered it. And he shut him down. And it's got to be pretty. I mean, and then when when the uh, the Blues scored that that deflected goal from Ryan O'Reilly, yep. um, just sucked the air out of the room, and you and you could feel that happening. And then of course that really bad uh, line change from Marshawn at the end of the period. Ten seconds left. He he doesn't pick up his guy. Petrangelo trails, gets the puck, deeks Rask out, and uh, scores that goal with seven seconds left. I mean that can happen. Yeah, there's an unwritten rule. Well, I guess it probably is written somewhere where. If there's 15 seconds or left, you just stay on the ice because it's not worth it to change, especially when you're in transition. It's better for you to stay on the ice super tired and just be an extra body out there rather than try to risk changing. And Marshan, he didn't know what, how much time was left, but he was gassed. He needs to stay on the ice. Even if Peter Angelo blows around him anyways, you have to stay there and just be an extra stick, take up space. Like, just do whatever you can. And, yeah, that was a huge, huge mistake by him. And that gave him that second goal. And that was it. If they wouldn't have had that goal, you know, Bruins maybe go into the locker room. Yeah, you know what? They got a lucky one. We dominated that period. To be down 2 nothing is a completely different mindset than to be down one nothing, in my opinion. And that was the end of the game for them. You're right. I'm watching the clock countdown. It's a, they had one just really good goal, lucky goal. Nothing Rask could have done there. Um, but the Bruins otherwise were feeling pretty good that period. And as a fan, you have to feel pretty good about what you see. So you're watching the last minute. Okay, we can go into this one nothing. Like, I'll feel pretty good about it. We'll come back strong. And then that second goal was just, uh, felt like a stab in the gut for me. Yeah, you could almost get the feeling that, okay, the Bruins are getting chance after chance. They're just, the ice was tilted towards Bennington. They weren't scoring, though. It was like, okay, when are they going to pop this cherry? What's going to happen? And then after like the eight minute mark, nine, 10, 13, 14, you almost, as a player, you, you start to think, okay, you know what's going to happen? The Blues are going to go down and they're going to get a, a lucky bounce and it's going to be one nothing for St. Louis. That's, that's just the sense that I got. And sure enough, they get one decent period. Uh, they get a big hit in the corner from Blaze and then, you know, bottom to the top, point shot back in the net. That was their th- second or third shot. So it just was one of those periods where everything went the Bruins' way except to get a goal. Yeah. And it just, you know, it's hockey, man. What are you going to do? The Blues outplayed them overall. Over the seven games, I think the Blues were the better team. In In the seven games, overall, the Blues were the better team. Tim looks upset. Tim does look upset. Tim the Bruins really obviously upset. had the one game where they crushed them 7-2. to two. Then they had the other game where they won 5-1. to one. You take out those two games, the other five games, the Blues, I think, carried the play. The Bruins had an unbelievable power play, and that's what got them those three wins. If they don't have a great power play, they don't even get those three wins. Those are a lot of ifs, John. No, it's one if. If they don't have a good power play. If you take out the two games where they blew the Blues out of the water. Which, how many power play goals did they get in those two games? It doesn't matter. They won by four goals and three goals in those games. They got, what did they score, seven and five? I bet you they scored eight of eight of those goals were power play goals, probably. So, I just think the Blues were better five on five. Eddie Olchuk said it before the game. 
Blues are better five on five. The Bruins are better on the power play. And look at game seven. They had one power play. They didn't score. And that was it. They didn't get anything the rest of the game, really, five on five. They had a couple decent chances in the first. Bennington stuffed them. If they score those goals, the Bruins are parting right now in uh, in the north end. And so am I. And so are you. <laughs> but think, they didn't. Yeah, you're right. Five on five especially was their problem this series, and especially with those top two lines. I mean, you saw pretty much nothing from Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. Um, really nothing from Krejci's line either. All their points just pretty much came from the power play. Um Pasternak looked like he had never handled the puck before. He's getting one-timers. He's missing. The puck's bouncing over his stick. He just looks lost out there. It kind of looked like he looked in the uh, Columbus series where he really had nothing. Marshawn with that terrible that terrible line change. Krejci's got nothing. DeBrusque had that one goal in maybe game three or four. But you really you need more out of your best players in order to win a game like that. It was alarming when I looked back and I, I kind of tallied up the stats from the seven games and it's amazing how inept those first two lines were, how ineffective they were. It's it's bizarre. I didn't think Krejci had, just watching the games, I was like, oh, he played okay. He had a terrible seven-game series. He had a John Scott-type performance where he didn't get any points. He had two assists. One of those assists was the last goal of the series, which was a throwaway. Yeah, He had one assist, essentially, in the whole series. And he is one of your key guys. You expect him to get in a seven-game series at least you know, two or three goals, two or three assists. You need him to produce. Especially when you have a blowout game seven. You score seven goals, he doesn't get any points. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And he had a great playoff run, too, the first few rounds. I mean, credit in the world to um, Barubi and the Blues. Game planning taken out there. They knew what to do, and they executed on it. I don't know if it's game planning or just laying a huge egg. I don't. I, maybe it is game planning, but you don't see I, they they game planned against O'Reilly. They game yeah. planned against Tarasenko. O'Reilly has nine points. Tarasenko has three goals. He still was productive. He pretty much put the nail in the coffin with that pass to Shannon the slot, that was a which play. was a defensive, epic defensive breakdown. You're going into the zone. It's a one on two. You have. Arguably your two best D-men, Chara and McCoy. McAvoy. McAvoy, who cares? They both get puck hungry, staring at the puck, and they just let a guy come right down the pipe. No one has stick on puck. Tarasenko's in the corner. It's not a hard play. And man, what? Ugh, it's so hard. Anyways, back to the top two lines. Marshan, what happened to him? I don't know. I have no I have no answer for it's that. It's just it boggles the mind how bad the first line was. Okay, Marshan, two goals, three assists. One goal empty netter. Throw that away. One goal, three assists. Awful. Pasternak, one goal, two assists. What? Bergeron, one goal, two assists. Bergeron. Who cares? <laughs> Doesn't deserve to get his name pronounced right. Unbelievable player. <laughs> Laid an egg in the playoffs. Game seven, nothing. Game five, nothing. Six, nothing. He had a terrible, terrible Stanley Cup Finals. He did. That's why they lost. Him and o- yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I went back and looked at the time on ice average. You know you're in trouble. And credit Bruce Cassidy for doing this. Is that the, is that the correct pronunciation for the coach's name? It is. It's not Cassidy. Cassidy. <laughs> Bruce Cassidy. He... He saw his top two lines were playing like junk, and he played his fourth line more than the first and second line. 
you never like if your fourth line like that can't happen. No. You can't be playing those guys 16, 17, 18 minutes and your first line 13, 14, 15 and that includes power play, which is bizarre to me. You have to ride your horses and he just he's just threw in the towel. He said they're not doing anything. I need to play Corrali. I need to play Asciari. Is that how you pronounce it? Achari. Achari? Yep. I think he just wants to be more like Chara. I know how it's pronounced. You have to play those guys because your top six are just not existent. I don't know if there's injuries. I don't know what the deal is, but... And then you see Marchand. Marchand? What is it? Marching. Mr. Grammar Police. You call me out all the time for pronouncing names wrong. One time. You call them One back. Time, he said backies. Anyways, I feel like all their names sound like Pokemon characters. I don't know Pokemon, but I Tim does. He sure plays do. It in the office, do you really? No, Larry does. Yeah, sometimes. is it Pokemon <laughs> where you have to collect the characters? Wasn't that big like last year or two years ago? Yeah, back. Pokemon Go. Yeah, I've never played it. Tim told me he played it uh, on the on the entire flight back from Boston last week. When we I did. How do you play it? On a, isn't it? He you need Wi-Fi on your Game Boy, yeah. Little that one's still. Oh my gosh. Tim actually told me he voted for Hillary Clinton after she said Pokemon Go to the polls. That's what won him over. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, you did not. It's not a true sentence. Yeah. <laughs> you voted for Hillary Clinton? Sure, did not. <laughs> but oh only because word. she said that. That's unbelievable. That was the one thing that won him over. Did she really say that? Yeah, Pokemon Go to the polls. <laughs> I'm just going to formally apologize for myself, John Scott, for these three right now because this is not how dropping the gloves is supposed to go. This is embarrassing. Uh, I'm going to really evaluate. Yeah, turn down everybody's turn down mics one. because this is terrible. Pokemon <laughs> Go. Anyways, any other takeaways from last night's game, Tim? Uh, where do I start? Well, what about Bennington? What do you think about him? Did, did he outplay Rask? In the seven games? No. No. How so? Look at the numbers. Okay. That's I, probably why Bennington didn't win the, the con Smythe. I mean, like, his, his save percentage is just above 900. I guess he got yanked the one game, and he, he did get shelled another game, so... Yeah. But in game seven, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was honestly surprised when O'Reilly got named. I just assumed it was going to be Bennington because of... Pretty much, he was the guy who got them there. He played great the first three series, and then he played great in the last two games, so I just assumed that he was going to get the con Smythe. But yeah. he didn't. I think you need like an otherworldly performance, and what Bennington did was great. It wasn't, it wasn't like Tim Thomas in 11 or Johnny Quick in 2012. It wasn't like that at that level. So It wasn't a Pikachu <laughs> in... Uh, Hey, let's stay on topic, John. Come stance. on. Is Pikachu Pokemon? Did I get that? Did I nail it? It is, yeah. yeah. So you had um, Petrangelo raise the cup, and he passed it off to Boomeister. Is that what you thought? Boomeister. Boomeister. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boomeister's one of those guys who everyone forgets about because he's just... He almost like reminds me of a, a Mark Edward Vlasic. Yeah. Because he is very quiet, doesn't deserve the spotlight, goes about his business, isn't a big interview guy, and he's just a really good defenseman. And he's been a really good defenseman for almost two decades now. It's un- like He started off in Calgary just this big farm boy, 
and everyone forgets about him. He was on Team Canada. He's won a bunch of gold medals. He's very, very well decorated internationally. He's just been stuck on kind of middle-of-the-road teams for a long time in small markets, so no one knows about him. But he is a very, very good defenseman, and he he deserves it. If it, You know, there was Jumbo, there's Paddy Marlowe, and then there's Bo Meester. He's right behind him. So I was happy he got the cup, and I was also happy he was one of the only guys who didn't cuss when he gets the cup. And what is NBC doing? Yeah, I saw that. I looked over at my wife, and we're sitting here, and everybody's like, effing right, yeah! And I'm like, rightfully so. You won the cup. It's super exciting. But who is working the sensor button at NBC? Mm-hmm. Larry, do we have a beep button on our mixer? I'm always ready to beep so at Tim. Yeah. to start beeping. Like, if you see somebody pick up the cup... You better be ready. Well, don't they play it on like a second delay anyway? So I, that is live. Actually, like, I think that is live, obviously, or else they would have done that. I would hope. I think they play it a second delay in case there's like a terrorist attack or there's something they can cut the feed as soon as it happens. Oh, really? Even live means like it's five second delay. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you're correct. Although, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered something where I was at the All-Star game and... Were you? When was that? In 2016, I won the MVP. Not many people actually have heard of this. Congrats. So, how, how many people won the MVP every In year? In 2016, there was this <laughs> vote. The fans could vote for player. Anyways, long story short, I won the MVP. So we're sitting in the locker room. I hate to talk about me. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and the, the camera comes in before the game and starts panning around the players, doing like a um, you know a pan around. And Please don't tell me you had your balls out. No, John. <laughs> and so good on thing the, we got that beep button. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll beep that out for sure. And so on the TV in the room is the NBC feed, and Milbury and all those guys are talking about the next game. We were the second game. It was Pacific versus whatever the Central, I think. And so they're giving their predictions, and the one guy's like, "Oh, uh, Central's going to win. They have all these great players. Central, Central, Central. They have Kane and." They have all the guys from Nashville. They're going to dominate Pacific. And it gets to Millbury, and they go. Millbury's like, well, it, it comes down to one thing. The Central has 11 All-Stars, and the Pacific only has 10. Because John Scott doesn't deserve to be here. He's not an All-Star. Oh, man. And I'm in the room with the Central and the Pacific team. So we're all in the same room, and everyone's staring at me. And the camera is about <laughs> to pan onto me. And I look dead in the camera, and I go, F you, Milbury. <laughs> but I said the real words, and the camera keeps panning. <laughs> and so then we look up at the TV, and we're like, oh, let's see it, let's see it. And sure enough, it pans around. You see me go, F you, Milbury. <laughs> and they, but it was a delay, so that's why I say, yeah, it's a delay. All they the, captured that that was on? They didn't cut it out? They captured it. You can't get in trouble as a network, though, and I don't know all the details, but it is called a fleeting expletive. And it's out of your control. I like that. And it happened at the Grammys, and I think it was Cher. I'm probably wrong, but she swore. I'm a huge Cher fanatic, and it was Cher. It was the Grammys in 1987. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Oh, no, that sounded so right. (laughs) Is it the same thing like the Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson's booby flopping out? It's always John Aiken bringing up the net. We're trying to keep this uh, PG, John. It's PG, enough. I'm talking about balls and boobs in the last. uh, It's a bird. Only bees. But anyways, so, so anyways, the yeah. guys pick up the cup, and every single one of them is just throwing F-bombs around. You think the NBC censor would, like, okay, we, we didn't get the first two or three or four or five or six. Let's try to get number eight. And they don't. They just <laughs> let them fly. It's crazy. And 
Like, I just don't know. I, I just don't get it. So one of the things before they even raise the cup is the uh, they get the quick celebration and then you have the handshake line. One of the mm-hmm. best traditions in, in, traditions in sports. I know you haven't been in the cup before, but um, oh, have you been in the cup, Tim? Whoa, no. Shots fired. <laughs> One's, oh, Tim. Tim was in the D two club league <laughs> semifinals. Yeah, regular season champions. Yeah, um, no big. B- <laughs> but but obviously you've been in the playoffs. You've been in those devastating losses. What's it like in the handshake line? What kind of stuff gets said? How much do you personalize what you say to each it guy? It just depends on who you know and who you battled against. And it's it's mostly you want to get through the line as quick as you can. As a loser, you really don't want to shake their hands. You don't want to congratulate them. I can't even imagine the Stanley Cup Game 7, hey, man, thanks for stealing my dream. You know right. what I mean? Thanks for you know making my summer awful. It, you do not want to do that. As a winner, you just try to like, I'm not going to celebrate. I'm not going to rub it in their face. But yeah. Excuse me. You see somebody who you've been battling with for seven games who's just been a real thorn in your side, especially with this series because there were so many suspensions and there were so many questionable hits. I can't imagine being Grizzlick shaking hands with Nordstrom. It's like, hey, man, you like ran me from behind. Congratulations on the cup. Do you think he wants to shake hands with that guy? Nordstrom's, no. on, Nordstrom's on the Bruins. What's his name? Sunstrom? Su- Sunquist. Sunquist. Who cares? These are Pokemon, aren't they? <laughs> I know. But yeah, no one wants to do the handshake. It's just one of these traditions that it's over 100 years old and people just, they have to do it because it's built into the game. It does show respect, like great, great series. But it's just like you want to get it over with as quick as you can. As a winner, you want to go celebrate. As a loser, you just want to get off the ice. You feel terrible. You want to go back to the room and just like have a beer and just like, oh, what happened? Like just... Oh, it's the worst feeling in the world. Obviously, I've never won the cup, but it's so so tough when you lose. It's like I'm done. That's so it. Tough. There's no extra game. There's like that's it. At least they're in Boston. You don't have to fight home to kind of dwell on it and just be around these people for even longer who you just lost with. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's not a good feeling to lose. And as a winner, you want to celebrate. You want to cheer, but you have to like calm it down. Let's you know, congratulations. Good series. Good series. Blah blah blah. Get back. Pop the champagne bottles. The, you won. I bet the Blues were. Partying it up on the airplane. Well, we saw a couple That's, pictures, right, on Instagram of yeah. the boys. I know. I, be, I get jealous, and it's hard not to get – even watching the game, and I, I'm three years removed now, and I'm just like, man, I wish – there's a part of me, I wish I was out there. It, it's so bizarre because I'm happy in my life right now, but then you see it, and you see the guys raising the cup, and you're like, man, I wish I would have done that. It's one. It's the one thing where I wish – I could have gotten to experience that because it just looks so amazing to that, do that. Does that set you apart from every other NHL player? I think so. Had that opportunity yep, to absolutely. Because even when I do events, everyone they when they introduce a player, even if it was a a tough guy who didn't play in the playoffs, Andre Waugh, Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, guy didn't play one game in the playoffs, still a Stanley Cup champion. And I see the black aces lifting up the cup like Jordan Nolan and uh, Chris Thorburn. Those guys didn't play a game in the playoffs. They're still going to get a ring. They might get their name on the cup, but it's still like you're out there lifting up the cup. It's it's an experience you'll never forget. And I yeah, I try not to be jealous. I try to be happy for people, but it's hard. You know who might have been more jealous than anybody last night? David Backus. Oh, he spent a soccer a, player. He spent about a <laughs> shut up, John Aiken. Oh, <laughs> my word. He spent about a decade in St. Louis. Right, he was a captain of a team. Yep. Left for because he cut, felt like he couldn't win a cup there. 
and then he has to play against them, be a healthy scratch, not even get to help his team, and watch his former team lift the cup. That has to be the most bitter pill to swallow out of anybody. I, I can't even put myself in his shoes. I guess I did because I left Chicago, and then they won the cup the next year. But I wasn't a big cog in the machine like Bacchus was. He was the captain. He was the face of the franchise for over, like, what, 10 years probably? 11 years, I think, yeah. And, yeah, just to kind of go to greener pastures, so to speak, I'm going to win the Cup in Boston. They have a better opportunity. And then to turn around, it's so bizarre. Yeah, he must just be kicking himself to leave that team. And St. Louis would not have won the Cup if Bacchus was on their team. That's, let's just be honest. They got rid of him. They got O'Reilly. They got Bozak. They got some guys who could still skate. And that's that's why they won the Cup. If Bacchus is there, they don't make the playoffs. Probably. Yeah, we'll never know. We will never know, but now Bacchus is in Boston. Great guy, loves his dogs, but no Cup. So you also mentioned you were talking with uh, Ott. Is that right? Yep. So he's, I didn't realize he's an assistant coach for the Blues now. I didn't have much visibility. Is he on, was he on the bench or is he like behind he the scenes? He is on the bench. He is the forward coach. And yeah, he's uh, a second year coach and he won the cup. Yeah, I saw him lifting it last night. I, I was texting no idea. with him like, man, congratulate. What did he text me? He said it just, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. He said it just does, it hasn't sunk in that they won the cup, which, man, I am so jealous. It's crazy. I, I, I'm trying not to be. Oh. Did you ask him if he's done any sleeping since last night? No, I, I assume they haven't. I assume they, they flew back and then just you know went all in, went to a, probably a team bar or something and partied, and they're probably right back at it today because what, especially the city of St. Louis, I saw they sold out the, the baseball field. Dude, and the hockey. And the hockey rink, yeah. and everyone was going nuts. It's crazy. They lost their football team. They don't have a basketball team. Mm. Their baseball team is okay. But to get a cup there, first cup ever, it's unbelievable. Good for St. Louis. Are you buddies with any of the actual players on the team now with the Blues that just won? Um, no. No, I played against a bunch of them, but never buddies. Like I, what's bizarre is I always picked the, the Blues to win the cup. I think I said that. I was thinking about that. A few months ago in a, in a, in a pod. But this year I was like, nah, they're not going to win. And sure, obviously they won. I'm like the Drake curse of picking <laughs> Stanley Cup teams. That's me. Do we talk about game six tonight, Raps, or stick on hockey? Ooh. What do you want to say about it? Well, it's exciting. What's, I mean, is it going to be the end of it? I think it has you to think be it's over. it's going to be the bullet? Look at Larry likes the basketball nails. so much. He peps it's, up. <laughs> yeah. It's the only thing I can kind of relate to. No, I think it's got to be done. Durant's done. Oh, that's rough. I think the Raptors have shown they are the better team when Durant's not in the lineup. Do you think he should have played? Yeah, of course. Yeah? Absolutely. I, what was I, something I heard? Like two hundred million dollar contract might be like gone now. No, oh, he might only he, he might only get one hundred seventy million. <laughs> yeah, right. Poor oh, guy. poor guy. He's already made what? Probably three hundred million. That's fair. Wham, Kevin. But Durant. like his whole career could be done after that. Another funny story. I got suspended one time when I elbowed Louis Erickson. Uh, allegedly elbowed. I did not elbow, elbow to the face. Allegedly elbowed Louis Erickson. It was a payback call for the Kessel thing because Shanahan said he was going to get me. <laughs> um, anyways, I hit Erickson center ice. Um, he got concussed. I had a meeting with Shanahan in the NHL offices. <laughs> so I go in there and we're watching the replay of the video. It's me. It's my GM. It's Shanahan and a couple other NHL people. 
and we're playing it back slow motion. What are you thinking at this point? What are you thinking at this point? I'm giving honest answers. And then he looks over at me and he goes, well, do you think you should be suspended? And I said, no, I feel like it was a clean hit. Louis Erickson exposed himself. He dumped it in. That's and he, gross. And he watched John Aiken, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he watched his dump. Didn't really John. protect. Oh, my word. You're doing it, not him. I am opening myself up here. Not say, don't even say anything. You can't set him up like that. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like The Office when Michael can't say that's what she said anymore. And what's his name? John Krasinski goes, oh. You you're, you you were so what you were so good last night you could yeah, go all night long you always left me satisfied you always smiling. left me satisfied that's what she said <laughs> so he's asking me these questions and I'm answering why well, I don't think I should have be suspended because I have no previous uh, suspensions you know I've been playing for four or five years blah 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 he left himself wide open for a hit he watched his dump in he didn't protect himself I kept my elbow tucked and all this stuff you know pl- you know pleading my case. And then Shani looks over at me and he goes, well, how, how would you feel? Would you like to be Louis Erickson right now? And I kind of thought about it and I took a, took a second and I said, well, yeah, he makes $7 million a year. I would love to be Louis Erickson right now. And Shani, you think this is a joke? You think this is a joke? He's in, he's in a concussion protocol right now. He can't even play your job. I'm like, well, you asked me a question if I would be Louis Erickson right now. And I would. He's you knew guy, exactly what you were doing. The guy there. makes seven schmill a year. I'm, I'm league minimum. Like I would love to be in his position right now. He's like, this isn't. And I. And after that answer, I was like, I'm getting teed up for a big suspension for sure. So how many was that? Was it ten? Seven games. Seven. Yeah. Do you think you would have got any if you didn't have that ass? That I smart think ass I would have got five if I wouldn't have had that response. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Hey Tim, do you have any thoughts on when that happened? I. I don't anymore. I did when no, it happened. Okay. Yeah, I felt pretty strongly about that. When I just that first remember happened. reading a blog a while back that someone I know. Well, Tezik, <laughs> Tim wrote a very disgusting blog about me. I think he, years and years ago, before he even obviously knew me. When it happened, that 2014. We have the blog, and do we? I have not. Ever I have seen an it. excerpt of it. We will read it. One. I of think these we should days. have Tim read it. Yeah. Because I think maybe you read it. It's listen. It's not funny. I don't think you. I don't. I don't think you're gonna laugh. I think you're gonna hate me. I think I'm gonna sit on the opposite side of the table from you. I can't you. wait. It's. It's it's. Uh, How old were you when you wrote it? It's like, pretty devastating. Uh, twenty four. I don't know. Five, four years ago. It's okay. funny that Tim thinks it's devastating. I don't think anything Tim could say to me would affect me at all. We'll see. John, we'll see. you're a terrible hockey player. Okay. John, you shouldn't be playing hockey. Okay. John, you're a waste of space. Okay. Whatever. Disgrace to the league. Says some guy who's 24. Living with your parents? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great. But anyway, so that kind of brings me back to Kevin Durant. It's like, oh, poor Kevin Durant. He's going to be fine. He's going to still make over $100 Yeah. I do think he should have played. I don't know the medical condition if if they, you know he was prone to getting Achilles injury because of his calf injury. Yeah, right. Well, they said it was his calf. Could it have been that the whole time? That's Who knows? Yeah. I'm sure he had the best care. I also am sure he pushed it, but you have to push it. It's the playoffs. It's the NBA finals. Your team is facing elimination. You do that. Mm-hmm. Chara had a broken jaw. He's a warrior. He's out there playing. Do not Going give interviews. interviews. <laughs> Don't do interviews. But 
No, he, you have to push past those injuries. And you know what? So it's, it is what it is. You get paid to play basketball. You know the risks that are inherent in that. And, you know, you can't really fault anybody. The team did whatever they could to get him prepared. They probably stretched him out, heated it up. It was a freak incident. He, sure. And I feel bad for the guy. He's, he's arguably the best basketball player on the planet right now. And this will affect his life forever, playing basketball. So, yeah, so you're calling it tonight's the the end though. Tonight's Raptors tonight. Bring home MVP Claw game over. It, I hope. Where is the game? It's in Golden State, the last game at Oracle Arena before they move into their new arena. Ooh, this is it. I know. And then Kawhi will leave Toronto. Go to Clippers. That's <sighs> Golden State. <laughs> Imagine that. No, I don't know. I I hope he stays in Toronto. But I just feel like he is going to leave. I heard Clippers. We'll see. That's what I've heard, but who knows? We'll right. see. I I hope, I hope, I hope he stays in Toronto. Do you like the Clippers? I have no feelings towards okay. them. I think that'd be a pretty sick team. If who do they have? There. They have Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. No, Blake and Griffin's Andre, not there anymore. And neither is Chris Paul. Oh, I know. <laughs> Shoot. Let's Sorry. take the hockey, guys. Sorry. I know who they have. They have... Uh, those basketball players. All five of them really good. <laughs> they move All that ball five. around. Yeah. Even their backup five are good. But anyway, so how... That was hockey. That was basketball. Let's just talk about normal God, life stuff. The Women's World Cup, bro. Women's World Cup started. Canada won one nothing. USA won 13 nothing. I heard everyone was up in arms about them celebrating after the 10th and 11th and 12th and 13th goal a little yeah. excessively, which... Rightfully so. USA, buddy. A girl I grew up with is on that team. She scored two goals in that game. What's her name? Sam Mewis. Hanson, Massachusetts, my hometown. Really? Yeah. No kidding. So yep. Hanson, Massachusetts is known for Sam Hewen. Mewis. Mewis. Yep. And Tim Wurzberger. That's right. <laughs> Sounds like a Nazi name, doesn't it? Oh, my uh, gosh. It's unbelievable. It's rough. The dots are starting to be connected. <laughs> are you a direct descendant of Adolf Hitler? Answer it. No. You're, did you just say nine? What did he say? <laughs> he did. Nine. Do you think, do you think Adolf uh, like escaped to South America? Oh, no, I don't. I've seen the shows on Discovery. Yeah. yeah, Slippery Slope. I don't think he did. They're very, very terrible shows. <laughs> People say they're pretty convincing, though. No, I've watched every... Well, not everyone. Most of them. Adolf Hitler might have been here. Someone saw him <laughs> 70 years ago. It's like, no, they did not. Yeah. It's just like that hunt for gold or Oak Island. It's all just a joke. Yeah, and they never find it. They never find anything. Then all of a sudden they find like a spearhead one time. Like, we need to dig further. Yeah. There's a whole other season coming out there now. It's embarrassing. All this reality TV stuff. Speaking of which. Uh Uh-oh. What? Aren't you a reality TV star? I am. Oh. Yeah. For which show? Scaring your mama? Oh, yeah. It's called It's coming out. I just got an email. Mm -hmm. Of that show, they said they're releasing it soon, and I had the best episode. That's what they said. Yeah. What is this? 50 Ways to Kill Your Mom. Was it Blind cc and have the really name is. was put in for every single person who got it? Well, no. <laughs> so my mom didn't know oh, what yeah. we were doing. She just knew we were doing a TV show. She didn't know the premise. <laughs> she didn't know anything. And I just told her we were doing a TV show, and we're going out west to film. And we went out west... And we filmed all these extreme stunts. And it's finally getting released, I think, in the next couple of weeks. They sent they me just a- tagged you on Instagram the other day. Ooh. Like a little 
teaser, so yeah, it's it's on its way. So we did. Some, I want to see it. We did some pretty cool, and they they had all these F list celebrities, and then I was on there too. They had yeah. like, um, gosh, I think they had Urkel. No, that's and they cool. had someone from nine hundred two one zero, and they had some other people, and yeah, then they had me. So I just thought it was a free trip to Whistler, and they paid you a little bit, not much, and you got to go there for like six days and do some fun things. And I got him to fly my wife out, which was great, and we had a little vacation. It was fun. We did some fun stuff. It was real. I don't know if I can reveal it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God, they got a yeah. picture of you and your mom. What are we doing? Hugging on a on a balcony oh it looks like we're gonna get ready for a kiss that's a weird picture that's a weird picture <laughs> that's a very strange picture so we were ziplining you can see the zipline harnesses hooked to our um chests mm-hmm. one of the events was ziplining through the rockies which is unbelievable sounds sick it was so cool you go from like i, I don't want to say mountain peak to mountain peak but like through a, a valley over like a river through the mountains. It was so cool. It was snowing. It was very picturesque. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Tim, would you mind? You should read the uh, promo. Here, read it. I feel like you're setting me up for something here. No. Is this his blog? <laughs> no. Are we going to get real? <laughs> Do you really want me to read this? Yeah. Okay. Former NHL All-Star MVP John Scott is hanging up his ice skates to take his gentle... <laughs> To take his gen- I can't even read it. <laughs> to take his gentle mom, Marilyn, on a week of extreme adventure. Marilyn is used to watching from the stands, but this week she'll be stepping up no matter how terrified she may be. Day one, they zip high through the Rocky Mountains across one of North America's longest zip lines. Then they off-road through the BC backcountry where Marilyn gets the best of her son. Ooh, John. Okay. There's no slowing down as John and Marilyn blast down a bobsled course at lightning speeds. And just when she thought she could calm down, Marilyn will be bungee jumping high above a BC gorge. So we can wow. talk about it. Yeah. So I mean, they basically say all the stuff. The funny thing is, is my mom went to the emergency room twice when we were there. Oh my God. Yeah. She, so the first emergency room trip was because she had an inner ear infection. <laughs> That was before the trip. It was so, so incredibly annoying. We would be going to these events and my mom would just be like opening and closing her mouth. Like, "Ah, ah, ah." (laughs) like, what are you doing? She's like, I feel like, I feel like I'm underwater. I feel like I'm underwater. I'm like, what is happening? And this happened the whole time we were there. It was so annoying. And we'd be like out for a lot. I'm like, mom, like go to the doctor. So we go to the emergency room and they go, yeah, you have water behind your eardrum or something like it just needs to work its way out and she had been dealing with this for like three weeks so she had already been going to doctors back home in Canada and she'd been taking a whole bunch of medication and was just trying to like figure it out and the doctors just told her you need to like stop doing everything like just don't take any medication just let it work itself out haven't you said before that she's like very paranoid when it comes to that stuff very paranoid and she just yeah Every literally, it was so annoying. Ah, ah I, I, we were going up the chairlift. She had like both hands on her ears, like ah, <laughs> ah, my ears. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we we um, because it was so cold, they would give you those heat packs for your yeah. hands. She put them in her headband <laughs> to try to warm up the liquid or something. I'm like, you are so crazy. It was so funny. So she went to the emergency room. My dad was there too, which was great. He came out. He took her and they tried to get it. Nothing was wrong with her. It was just like an ear thing. 
So we do the, a couple of events, and then we do the bobsled. Oh, no. <laughs> and this was the bobsled in Whistler is the fastest bobsled in the world. No way. It is the steepest. The ice is the best. They had just finished a literal World Cup, um, what do you call it, a time trial there or some, a competition. They had just finished the day before. So we went there, and the guy was like, this is the best ice we've ever had. It's the Does Olympics. that mean like fastest? It's so fast. <laughs> and so we didn't start at the top because it's too dangerous. We started at like turn five or six. And they give us the, the security brief. They say, you know, make sure you, you come in, you, you hold on tight. And then they also said, don't tense up. Because we get going two, three Gs and you can't be tense because your body will give out. Like you can't fight the Gs. You have to kind of roll with it. And so we start going. We're bombing down this mountain. And he said we go 170 kilometers. Maybe I'm overestimating it or I'm forgetting it, but it's very fast. And so we're cruising. We're going around. And one turn, you get three Gs. And I'm sitting in the third seat. So it's the driver and my mom, me, and then a guy behind. And so she's in front of me, and I can hear her the whole way down going, (laughs) like, oh, my gosh. This is not good. And so we get to the bottom, and she can't get out of the bobsled. And I'm all jacked up because it was so fun. Like, I thought it was awesome. And she's like, I can't move. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What do you mean she can't move? She cannot move her body. Because she tensed up, you think? She tensed up the whole ride, did not loosen up her muscles or her bones, and she tensed up the whole, and tried to fight the G-force. Uh-huh. And so the G-force was pushing it, pushing against her back, and it just like... She got really messed up. We get into a van, which we had to like carry her into. <laughs> I know it's really bad to make fun of your mom. <laughs> but we put her in the van, and you just picture your mom as like this angelic woman, like female, and she's getting in this van. <laughs> and like we're trying to lean the seat back as best we can to get her comfortable. And it was so like she was in so much pain. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And so the whole drive there, we're going super slow to the hospital. <laughs> we get her there, we get finally get her into the room. They give her some drugs. She calms down and she's like, I need to go to the washroom. I'm like, oh my, what are we doing? Like, what how do we do this? And so luckily someone else helped her to the washroom the whole time. Still like walking around the hospital. At one point, like before we had a bed, she had to lay down on the ground in the middle of the hospital. Typical Canadian healthcare. Like really, they are helping you out right away. Because we're in Whistler. People are there with like broken legs and broken arms. Like people are getting injured on the hill. And so we're there. She's got a bad back. She finally gets um, admitted. She's laying on the bed. They give her some drugs. We get tested. She takes an x-ray on her back. They make sure everything's fine. She had no broken bones. All the muscles in her back seized right up and tensed straight up to the point where like, she was just in so, so much pain. So they gave her some drugs. They loosened them up. And the doctor's like, you can't take too many of these. It's like the equivalent of... In Canada, they, they do marijuana references, They're like smoking a bunch of weed. And so my mom's like, okay. So she finally takes the pills. She feels better. The next day is the last day of filming where they film like the emotional goodbye. <laughs> and so we go to this river and she's still in pain. And we she pops some pills. <laughs> and we're at this river and she 
is high as a kite. <laughs> and so they're trying to film this emotional goodbye. And she looks at me, she goes, I can't feel a thing and I'm not going to be able to talk. So you need to just kind of carry us here. And so I'm like, okay, great. And they're like trying, trying to get us to cry and stuff and to elicit these emotions. And she's just completely gone. And she's like, just sitting there staring at me, like glazed over eyes. I'm like, we had a great week, mom, didn't we? Like, you know, it was just, just such a bizarre thing. Your mom is completely gone. And you're trying to like have this heart to heart talk, and there's three cameras around you, and they're trying to force it because the daylight's almost gone because of the hospital visit. Everything's rushed, and we're just at a oh, it was a complete just mess near the end of it. But no, no it was fun. It, it was a trip. Behind the scenes story. So it'll air on Monday, September second at nine p.m. How do we get to watch it in the United States? I don't know. It's we'll Canadian have to TV bribe station. some. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I have the, the episode. We can watch it. Are. Oh. Yeah, they sent it to me. I haven't uh, watched it, though. Well, we'll watch it, but no one else can. Yeah. yeah. I really want to see this. This, this awesome. is a great teaser. Like, yeah. if I was the station, I would I would advertise on this podcast to promote that show. I don't even know who this station is. Peachtree or? VisionTV.ca. Never heard of them. Sounds like a fake thing. You probably got scammed. They don't pay very well. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely a low budget. Me and Steve Urkel. <laughs> I was just looking at the rest of the people. I don't know who the hell any of these people are. Well, no, are. there's one 90210 person, I thought. I don't know which one because I don't know any of these I names. thought it was but Kelly, the blonde-haired girl. What's her real name? I don't know. James Maslow? <laughs> That's her. <laughs> Anyways, I think we're stretching along here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Congrats to the St. Louis Blues. Go Raptors. Okay. We will talk to you guys later. Hasta mañana. Bye.